Welcome to Lamestream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. My name is Steve Cavendish. You can follow me on Twitter at Scavendish. If you like this show, the one that's coming into your ears right now, uh, please rate, please review, please subscribe. Please tell someone you listen to Lamestream Sports, and they should too. So we are beginning a new tradition on the pod during Thanksgiving week. It is a time to be grateful and thankful for all the wonderful and amazing things you have in your life, your family, your friends, various sporting teams that are doing well. It, it is just a, it's a really to ignore Christmas and be grateful for the things that you have in your life, food, family, drinking beer and other various libations during a, during the greatest single holiday of the calendar year, which I know you agree with Steve, you've written extensively about, about the greatest holiday of the year. One million percent. Yes, it is the greatest holiday on the calendar. We also have a lot of stuff to complain about all the time about the media. So we thought we'd begin a new tradition on the pod this year. And for for Thanksgiving this year, we are launching. uh, We haven't we haven't really workshopped the title here, but this is largely things that we are very ungrateful for. Steve. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe maybe we should have come up with a title for this in in gratitude week on the pod this week. How about that? There you go. So we will discuss <laughs> the coverage of the World Cup. We will discuss uh, Elon Musk's takeover of Twitter and the things that people do not understand about the Elon Musk take- taking over of the Twitter. We'll discuss that. You have some things to say about our local newspaper of record. <laughs> totally new topic. Totally um, new topic. We've never we've never talked about that before. Uh, college football narratives and conspiracy theories. We will discuss that today on the pod. Music City Baseball. <laughs> Playing the hits today. Uh, and of course, grievances, which of course is us complaining about people complaining. <laughs> that is what's coming up so, on the show today. <laughs> like, like going a little meta here at the end. Yeah, exactly. We'll wrap up by doing the thing we're complaining about. How about that? Uh, we will do that today on the pod. So all that coming up today, no guest. Happy Thanksgiving, truly, to all of you out there. From those of us here at Lamestream, the Nashville Banner, 440 Sports, and from Jaspers. Always happy Thanksgiving from Jaspers. Yes, happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there. Uh, uh, truly, in a moment of seriousness, be, take a moment to enjoy the people around you. Even if you disagree with everything your uncle says, just... Spend some time with them, because then maybe he won't join some bizarre internet conspiracy chat room. Okay, just just give him some FaceTime. Uh, people need FaceTime. They need community. If you want to go out and watch something with some community experience, go to Jasper's. Go hang out at Jasper's. Uh, they've got a lot of great food. Got free parking. Uh, they're open all weekend. So go check out Jasper's. Right. Go to Jasper's. Always go to Jasper's. Always go to Jasper's. Okay. So let's start with Fox's coverage, and I'm I'm curious. Uh, obviously. There was a lot all over the the socials and the internet about how each different network started their coverage of the World Cup. The BBC started it a certain way, Telemundo and Univision started it a certain way, NBC started it a certain way, and Fox started it a slightly different way. <laughs> uh, largely coming out and gushing about the hospitality and the venues and the people. And Tony Husband did say this last week on the pod. I recommend going to listen to the conversation we had with Tony Husband and Jamie Watson that it is important to remember that all the people on the ground are generally really awesome and amazing people. Like you got to remember that when you're working in the, the hand, the people that you actually see and work with, they're not a part of this bigger political Qatar FIFA problem. Um, so I, I think that's important to remember, but 
largely Fox begins their broadcast coverage of the biggest event in the world with nothing but gushing positivity. Yeah, I mean, it's when you drop into Doha and you say, wow, look at all of the spectacular stadiums and you look at all of the venues and, and look at this new broadcast center we have. Look at this new broadcast center we have that we weren't going to do until the Qatari Foundation decided to sponsor us. And so now, instead of doing this from New York, we're doing this from Doha and in this spectacular facility that that they built specifically for us. I mean, that's all you need to know about where Fox's allegiances lie. I mean, Fox took the money from the Qataris, and so they're not going to talk about the problems on the ground. And look, a lot has been has been talked about uh, in terms of the way the stadiums were constructed, the the problems uh, that fans have had going there. Why you can't buy beer in stadiums, even and <laughs> what a surprise this was to oh oh you can't to, you can you just have to have a lot of money and be sitting in a special section, Steve. Right. I mean, what what a surprise this was to the to the guys at Budweiser who have paid millions of dollars in order to be the sponsor of the World Cup. Se- seventy five uh, seventy five million dollars. Yeah. You know, just a, a drop in the bucket. It's, very much, it's actually very much like college football for a long time, where only the rich, wealthy people in box suites had fully stocked bars and everybody else is in, in the SEC stadiums wasn't allowed to buy beer. So, Right, exactly. And so the Fox coverage in general, go back and look at, for instance, at the at NBC's coverage of the Olympics. Even the, the last Winter Olympics, which were in Beijing, started out with Mike Tirico saying, look, we have to address the elephant in the room which is China and their human rights record and kind of why they you know why they're hosting these games in a, in, a, in an effort to reputation to you know to rehabilitate easy for you to say rehabilitate in an effort to rehabilitate their reputation sports wash is easier to say Steve I know I know yeah. but I hate the term sports washing and, and so so add clichés to the list of topics we're going to discuss today about <laughs> the things we are ungrateful to <laughs> ungrateful for but even NBC, which is which is so in bed with the Olympic Committee, was willing to was willing to acknowledge the the problematic nature of being back in China, for Fox to not even address these things and just be like, "Hey, isn't this great?" You it it, it becomes it becomes hard to get past the problems that are there and just enjoy the games if you don't acknowledge the problem. So and, so is that all it requires then, in your opinion? Because I don't remember what happened in Russia. A couple of years ago at the World Cup, I don't remember the coverage at the beginning of the event. Uh, I blocked out the entire qualifying, of course, uh, as a U.S. citizen. But what what was there anything at all at that time in terms of coverage of there was there there was very little. I, but I mean, even if you don't want to acknowledge the the very real problems that have happened since they got the World Cup, you have to acknowledge how Qatar got the World Cup. You have to acknowledge that they that they bought the vote. It is a matter of record that they bought the vote. And in, in, until you're willing to say that, you're not an honest broadcaster of, of the games. And and this is not, you know, I, and I feel for worse. I mean, I like a lot of the the people that Fox has on right now. And I think they're I, I think they're actually doing some sort of innovative coverage in different ways. They're doing a Twitter thing right now where Jimmy Conrad and Moa Du and a third person who I who I didn't catch her name we're we're doing like a live stream on Twitter, kind of like a a, a Peyton cast. I mean, a Manning, okay, cast. Like a Manning cast. Yeah, yeah. Which I thought was which I thought was really interesting. Was just like guys hanging out watching soccer. But if you don't, but if you don't, 
the the fact that they have good personalities and the fact that they have uh, some some decent analysis of the games gets belied by the fact that they're not willing to acknowledge the other stuff. And the the the, the, thing, the thing that sucks is that they have like the person who could do it. Like they have Tom Rinaldi there. Tom Rinaldi it makes people cry all the time. <laughs> really good reporter. Yeah, uh, and 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 can and can you know address more than just surface level issues in sport. And it, it seems like a it, it seems like a real waste to not do that. So so somebody tweeted uh, to Alexi Lawless, "Do you feel shame for what you are?" <laughs> <laughs> and his response was, "Not at all. Having a great time, enjoying experiencing a World Cup in a new culture, country, region that I know little about. Maybe that's part of the problem. Already met some wonderful people and made some new friends. So I guess my question, I have two two questions: is what's the right amount of the coverage?" And who has done it well and poorly? Because, like, is this a Fox issue? Is this a sports issue? Is this a broadcasting across the board issue? Because I would argue, like, we we've complained about the Thursday night crew for NFL just sort of being shills for the NFL during the Tua fiasco, right? Like, they come on during halftime right. and all they do is largely apologize for the game of football writ large. There's nothing to see here. Football's great. We love football. Tua's a great leader. He's tough. Whatever. Without addressing the actual issue. So that's an Amazon problem, right? Or an NFL network problem. Or So I guess my first, my first question to you is, what is the... Because Bob Costas used to do this all the time and caught so much hell for it. He'd be broadcasting a Kansas City Chiefs game. And at halftime, you know, he'd be talking about how the player killed himself. And people... And he's talking about guns all of a sudden. He's talking about head, head injuries during a Chiefs game. And people are like, I don't want to see this shit right now. I want to watch a football game. So what is the right amount, in your opinion, before you can then proceed to the, the action... And then number two, who has done it well and who has done it poorly? Well, it can't be zero. And I, and I think that's that's the thing that's brutally apparent here from the first few days of watching Fox's coverage is that you can't just ignore it. That that doesn't work. Because there are, one of the things that they did, actually, that I remember from the Russia uh, coverage was really good, uh, really good kind of russian cultural coverage you know they they tried to they tried to get out of moscow and st petersburg and, and kind of go out in the countryside and and they did some kind of interesting feature pieces it's hard to do that if you don't acknowledge the issues that are there and and let people have a chance to have have a chance to absorb that because until you deal with it then then everything else is just everything else is just comes off as facade. It's also physically hard to sometimes do that in the locations you're doing because we're seeing camera crews and broadcasters and reporters in Qatar being like pulled off the streets. Yeah. Like by, by people in charge, meaning like I'm just trying to go film something and do my job and the local establishment is not letting me do my job. Well, and and you see the disconnect that's there between, and this is, and, and this is, I think, is why Fox doesn't even want to touch that rail, is because there there is a disconnect between what was promised, which is complete access to a country and a normal sort of experience, versus the Qatari regime and different actors, you know, whether whether it's security forces, whether it's whatever else, not getting the message and and just kind of bushing bossing people around. I mean. Grant Wall tried to go into uh, tried to go into the stadium yesterday wearing kind of a rainbow shirt and was told he had to take his shirt off because that was a, he was making a political statement. Uh, and he and and Andrew Doss of the New York Times got got detained for thirty minutes before before the U.S. game because of that shirt. And finally, they just they, they finally cool. They, yeah cool stuff. <laughs> but but until you I mean in, in, until you deal with that. 
you can't get to, I have, I have some friends who went over there who were there at the opening ceremony and, uh, you know, who were legitimately excited about a world cup in the middle East. And there are legitimately exciting things about that. One of the interesting things, and you or saw least, this, or at least, or at least there could have been, or should have been, should have right. been, maybe we're, we're taping this after Saudi Arabia, uh, upset, uh, Argentina this morning. And, one of the things that's apparent is that the Saudis are going to essentially have a home crowd every time because the tra- because there's not as much travel. I mean, and they the, the, and they can afford every ticket. <laughs> well, that's 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 true too. But I mean, but since it's right there next door, I mean, yeah, they're going yeah. to have the advantage that like a lot of European countries usually have when it's on European soil. I mean, there was a big Tunisian crowd there uh, today. I, I you know that Tunisia um, Denmark game ends up zero zero. Like those are interesting things to kind of talk about, but right. it's, it's hard to get to them until you get past the, uh, until you deal with the other issues that are so. So like there are there are plenty of people that, and again, there's lots of partisan politics in in who you pick on from a media standpoint, right? If you're gonna if you're gonna pick on Fox, everyone's gonna call you a lib. If you're picking on ESPN, everyone's gonna call you a, a, a conservative. I, I'm just you know that that's the loud portion I mean, of Twitter that doesn't really count in this conversation. I mean, the the thing of it is, is like everybody else has kind of dealt with this except Fox, even on Telemundo, who is a partner, who is a FIFA partner carrying the games. And they, and it's not like the BBC where, you know, the BBC is this big institution. All the rights were going to go through the BBC, in, you know, in the UK. Telemundo was a bidding partner and paid for the rights to the games. They dealt with it up front. And, and that's that is instructive to me yes uh, so when you look around at some of the other issues like like how have i have not wa- i don't watch a lot of golf channel i i am curious how things like the live tour have been covered by again i guess they're not business partners so it's different right but like the nba in china and espn i i think there's there's clearly a partnership there and and china has so much financial influence on so much of what we do not just media but but everything we'll get to you elon in just a second because you China's your business daddy too. Um, What's interesting is like, it's okay to criticize. Like I don't like it that an NBA owner got silenced by Twitter or or by, uh, by China, but I don't know. Like, it's not like ESPN is broadcasting games from China in the middle of Beijing or let's say Wuhan or Hong Kong or Taiwan or wherever, where there's these major conflicts going on and not addressing them. Right. Like, isn't there a difference between, and maybe, maybe I'm apologizing for, you know, ESPN, I, I don't mean to do that, but I'm just curious, like, it's it's okay to criticize ESPN for their coverage of the NBA and the Chinese thing. I just don't know what the right approach is on that to, to actually do the coverage, if that makes sense. Well, well, to ESPN's credit, I don't think that they completely stuck their head in the sand over this. I mean, they ran stories from their news side about China and the NBA and Adam right. Silver. Right. And and that's that's the truly, you know, that that's the thing I just can't get past on Fox uh, is that is that they 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 just, they just won't acknowledge it. it it's going to take something happening and something's going to happen Some, something dumb's going to happen whether it's with security forces or you know or fans getting out of i mean right my bet my, my bet is always on the england fans to, <laughs> to to do something dumb and when it does you know fox is going to have to cover it and they're going to have to acknowledge some of these some of these issues that you know that wouldn't be happening if you weren't play if you weren't playing yeah, in, a res- yeah. in a in a repressive regime. It's funny, like my wife asked about, and my dad actually was like, "Well, what, you know, I was like, man, it would be so great to go to a World Cup. I don't care where it's located. And like, would you go to Qatar right now?" 
And it's like there is an element of you've created this sort of environment that you don't necessarily have control over because you're bringing people in from all over the world. And if all of a sudden one person has one set of beliefs, hypothetically, maybe from some country in our group, hypothetically, about what a woman should or shouldn't wear or should or shouldn't say, hypothetically, and a bunch of those fans, and all of a sudden I'm walking around with my buddies or my wife or my kids, and it's, you know, my 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 eight-year-old daughter wearing a tank top or something because she, she loves rainbows and unicorns because she's a freaking seven-year-old. What all of a sudden that like you the Qatari people that are in charge and FIFA that are in charge, like they can't control what that interaction is like on the ground. So right. you've created this environment where you're gonna have all these different people with very different beliefs coming together and and maybe maybe no alcohol is a good idea <laughs> in, in the stands. But like that's my concern. Is, well, is, and it's is something and, and like that happens. It's not that there's no alcohol. It's just that it, it's very hard to get to. Yeah, right. right. Uh, one of one of the best stories of the uh, of the World Cup so far is this guy who put up an underground guide to where to find alcohol in Qatar, and it oh, blew so up. And so like good. every major every major outlet except Box uh, has <laughs> kind of has kind of done some done some story on it. Well, all right. We, I think we've. Uh... Well, and and here's the thing is, I'm going to watch the World Cup. I'm I'm going to watch right, you know, parts of games every single day. I'm going to kind of live and die by the by the U.S. and that that's going to happen. I just you know wish it happened with a, yeah. a certain amount of kind of honesty from Fox. Well, and I had missed the Torico thing that you mentioned about the Olympics, but I I am I, I am not surprised that he of all people did it well. Yeah, and that and that well, Torico's a well. really good broadcaster. Yeah, yeah, that's that's not a surprise. Okay, all right. Number two of our most ungrateful things is just people's, for me, is people's misunderstanding of what is taking place on Twitter, the Elon Musk purchase of Twitter, and sort of what the role of Twitter really is from like a business standpoint. Like, we know that racial slurs are up 500% in the first few days. We we know that cruelty is sort of always baked into Twitter in, in some way, shape, or form, like dunking on people for being wrong three months ago is just sort of part of the app and part of the experience. So I think there's some snark and some level of that that you have to sort of understand with. Because again, you and I are both Twitter people. Like it's my drug of choice. I do not use any other app. I am in like all the other apps. I'm impervious to, to Instagram. I'm impervious to Facebook and TikTok. For some reason, I don't know why my brain works that way, but I need words. I like words. And so Twitter is my drug of choice. And I don't think what people understand is what Twitter's role is. Twitter, Twitter's job as a business is to moderate content. It, that is its job. Its job is to moderate content so that more people use the application so that they can then be monetized. Their time and their eyes and their ears can then be monetized for advertisers. Like That is the entire goal of the platform is to make the experience as positive or as enjoyable as possible so that you stay on the app more and then you can be monetized by the company. And now I do trust Elon Musk to be good at business. I think he's pretty good at business. He's clearly a, a brilliant scientist. I don't think he knows anything about the First Amendment, freedom of speech, or human behavior, for example. But what what I don't think people are are missing here is like, there's a few things. Number one is Twitter's main job. But number two is that the First Amendment doesn't apply to the world. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, nor does it apply to private business. This is a private business. You sign what what are those things like the policy, the user policy or whatever that you sign at the terms beginning and of, conditions, terms and conditions. Thank you. I'm struggling. 
the terms and conditions on all of these applications, you sign up for them and you click the box and you accept the terms and conditions, which means it is no longer a government regulated place of speech. It is a private place. It's freedom of speech doesn't apply to Facebook and their 4 billion users around the world. It doesn't apply. And if, if Elon Musk is going to reduce moderation and Twitter is going to turn into a worse place, which I don't know how that's possible, <laughs> but, but it appears that it is. If it is going to get worse and worse and worse and worse and less fun for people, they will log off, not use your app, and therefore advertisers are not going to pay to be on your platform. It's not about and, and right or left. It's about ex user experience. Advertisers, this is what people don't understand, is advertisers don't want their content next to shitty content. Yeah, they, right, they don't. Right. They don't want to be. Uh, you don't want you to be scrolling through your feed and to get somebody, you know, dropping the N word like fifteen times, and then all of a sudden, you know, here's a here's but, an ad for Swab shampoo. Buy our burgers right next to the Jews did it. Like, like, right. come on with that crap. Like, it's, it's the, nobody wants to see that. And, and my 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 absolute favorite story out of out of all of this, and there's a, there's a couple of good really good accounts of this. Uh, Casey Newton. And, and the New York Times guys had 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 a pretty good behind the scenes of like the first weeks uh, of this. But my favorite story about all uh, out of all of this is that Elon ha has been trying to to get them to develop an AI content moderation system kind of super fast. That you know this is something I think had been sort of in the works. They're, they're trying to accelerate it. One of the solutions is, and and he had said this in a post, is to. It is for is for content that is is super offensive for it to not be retweeted, not to not to go algorithmically into other people's feeds, all these other things. In other words, to shadow ban them. And mm. this is the thing that conspiracy theorists have been screaming for years that wasn't actually happening. Elon is going to make happen. He is going to make uh, offensive content shadow banned, and that my my head just sort of exploded yeah, at the thought worse. of that. That now we're going to end up. We're, now we're we're going to actually end up in a system that yeah. you know. Yeah, it, it just it absolutely blew my mind. I think the other thing it's it's important to remember is the scope of Twitter. Um, Facebook has three billion users worldwide. YouTube two and a half billion users worldwide. Um, Instagram is one one point five. WeChat one point three. TikTok's over a billion, and TikTok and Instagram are the two fastest growing. TikTok's going to pass all of them up at some point. Um, just a reminder, uh, who owns that black box? Uh, the CCP, just so everyone knows. Snapchat, 576 million users is bigger than Twitter. Twitter, fi roughly yep. 500 million people. Um, it is a fraction of the size of the other platforms. And if the key is, is that Elon at that price point, 44 billion or whatever, like you have to add users to make right. the purchase worth money and to generate more revenue to increase profits. This is all pretty simple stuff. And if you are going to make the experience on the platform shitty for everyone, <laughs> no one is going to use it. You are not going to gain audience. And the only way Elon can save Twitter is to increase audience so that therefore he can charge higher rates and make more money. It is not this is this is business here. This is not politics. This is not left or right. This is just if you make something that no one likes, <laughs> you cannot sell it to people. It doesn't. It's pretty simple. Would you would you pay for Twitter? So here's the thing. I, I don't give a shit about the blue check mark. Like that doesn't like that the first reports were you're gonna pay twenty dollars and you're gonna get a blue check mark. Well, that's why after that came out, that what really happened is it went down to eight dollars and it included a lot of other things, right? 
it wasn't just I think everyone talks about like the verification, the check mark, and that's what you're paying for. Well, if you told me that I was going to get a completely different experience on Twitter for eight dollars a month, I might be interested in that. I might be interested in, oh, you're gonna curate all the bots out of my feed. I'm not gonna get any targeted ads out of my feed. You're gonna curate all misinformation out of my feed. You're gonna do your freaking job, which is to moderate content on a platform so that I have a good experience. I might pay for that. But if I'm going to get nothing but racial slurs and ads, what the hell am I doing on Twitter? Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, there's no purpose. One, one of the things that that's become apparent here in in the in the weeks after they, you know, fired half their for uh, half their their workforce and then laid off a bunch of contractors uh, who were doing kind of very important jobs within the within the within the app is that there are things that are starting to break about Twitter. Uh, like for instance, data I mean, ads being served multiple times again and again and again. I mean, things that are things that are like actually bad for long term revenue for Twitter. How about personal data breaches? Like, yeah, pretty big uh, deal. There are problems with two factor authentication right now. A couple of other things that are you know security measures that were put in place in order to protect right in order to protect user accounts. And it's I, I'm I'm waiting for I'm waiting for the big problem to happen before they go. Wait a second. Yeah, we need to rehire all these people. <laughs> yeah, if you if you read Matt Levine at all at Bloomberg, really really good writer. Uh, he's written a lot. He's writing a lot about Twitter and FTX these days. So if you're Ooh, interested in either FTX. of those topics, you know, please uh, you know go go subscribe to his free newsletter. But he has been writing about is the is the angle here that he uh, that he gets the banks to take a haircut on the debt, and so that he's actually getting. Twitter yeah, at the yeah. you know at the price that he actually wanted as opposed to yeah, you know yeah. the the price that he had to pay the forty four billion that he had to pay I, I you know who knows he's a good he's a good businessman you can't argue he's, that he's, we'll he's a good if, businessman or or at least he was we'll see if he still is hey man if you're if you're setting billions of dollars on fire uh, um, I got a nonprofit you can donate to there's I mean I'm sure there's some like large scale psychological study about human beings acquiring so much wealth that they're like what they do doesn't matter anymore. They have no consequences. And I'm sure there's there. The other dynamic just quickly to note with Twitter and all platforms, again, going back to what their main purpose is, which is to moderate content, YouTube and TikTok pay their creators money. You get paid on YouTube and you get paid on TikTok if you make content good enough to get paid. They pay you to create the content. And YouTube has all these magic things that, that that happen, right? There's a reason that a video has to go a certain number of minutes before an ad gets dropped in because they want to keep you there for a certain amount of time. Like it's all baked in. And then they're going to pay the person doing all the work to create that video so that they come back and that the user has a good experience and then the creator has a good experience. Paying for Twitter, we all we do all of the creation of the content on Twitter. Twitter doesn't do anything. <laughs> they, right. They're entire. This goes back to what their business model is, which is to moderate all of us. We create. And so us paying money to them to let us create content for them, eh, it's the opposite of the YouTube business model. And I'm not sure, again, I'm not sure it's going to work. How much time do you spend on TikTok? Z literally zero minutes. Zero minutes. I'm I don't spend time on TikTok, but I do spend... I, I mean... I spent a lot of time on Instagram Reels, which is the "Hey, TikTok's doing a great thing, so let's rip right. it off" kind of kind of it, version. And, and, and most of the stuff that's on Reels, fair to be fair, is just ported over from from TikTok. I mean, a lot of it has TikTok, and, <laughs> TikTok and to, the, and to the point of the YouTube co uh, comment, like what TikTok really is 
is an easy, 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 trendy version of YouTube. Is all it is. Like YouTube creating good quality, high quality, long form YouTube videos is hard. It takes work. It takes effort. And TikTok essentially gives you all the tools to do all of that in as little as time as possible and encourages you to copy everyone else, which if you do on Twitter is frowned upon at big time. <laughs> well, and, and Peter Kafka uh, is a really good media writer over at Vox, uh, wrote about this a couple of months ago. He said, he said, you know, Netflix is not uh, Netflix's competition is not necessarily Disney Plus or Paramount Plus or anybody else, Apple Plus or any, any other plus you want to streaming service you want to come up with <laughs> their their competition is attention and time and tiktok is a huge competitor for them and 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 maybe a problem that they don't have a way to solve for because of because of their model you know which is why that they have gone to this sort of like ad revenue tier in order to to kind of pick up more in order to pick up more revenue because it, 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 it's become apparent that they're not going to kind of kind of continue to grow infinitely like they did through the pandemic. Quickly though, on that po- on that point, YouTube. The difference is is that the out like users on YouTube control the content. Users on TikTok don't control the content nearly as much as they think they do. Um, it eventually just is the algorithm again owned by China. Uh, feeding you the things that you love, which is fine. And I think it's great. I'm not an old man who thinks TikTok is bad or whatever. But TikTok only pays out about, I want to say, a couple million dollars a year to its creators, where YouTube is paying in the like YouTube. I, I don't remember the exact number, but I want to say it's like $200 million they paid out last year to their creators. Yeah, it, it, it's it, it's a lot. And, it, and, it's, and it's distributed kind of broadly. So you have a lot of no, nobody. I mean, there are a set, instances of several people get, kind of getting rich and making millions off of being on YouTube, but you know, the, the more accurate sort of model is somebody builds a channel. I have a niece who did this, who who built a channel, who 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 put up a lot of videos and so forth, and has made like essentially mailbox money here for right. you know for years off of it. And and, and it's it, it's been a really good deal. Should you get paid by Twitter? I don't know. I I don't I don't think so. Uh that's called Substack. <laughs> <laughs> so bring this back around bring this back around to Twitter. What would you do if you were Musk? Right now, I mean, I'm I'm not qualified, uh, but maybe not. Maybe he's not either. Um, again, like I, I don't. Snapchat, from what I understand, does the best job of eliminating misinformation and, and sort of moderating their content to create a pleasant user experience. From what I understand, that they do as good a job of that as anybody. We, and we all know how YouTube does it, right? Like, we, like I, again, 440 Sports has a YouTube page. We put content up. I've had videos pulled down because they think the music I've stolen, but really it's not stolen. So like, there's a lot. That's that's all these platforms do, right? It's just moderate the things that we put up. So again, I, I have curated my feed on Twitter to eliminate a lot of things. I don't experience Twitter the same way that most people experience Twitter. I don't either. I, so, I, I have I have a number of accounts that I have that post a lot. I have in there strategically because they make me very happy. Like I have an, right. I, I have an account called, uh, but there's an account called chunky animals uh, and <laughs> chunky animals. Very serious stuff. Very serious. stuff. Always post <laughs> stuff of like fat animals. It's funny, hilarious stuff. And, and it's, and I, one of the things, one of the reasons I started following them was because I was like, you know, I like these little like happiness bombs that go off in my timeline every now and then I've, I've got like four or five accounts like that, that are just kind of like, silly stuff like there's a message there's board a, geni- that's that's message board geniuses for me <laughs> i follow message board geniuses it's always good i follow there there's an account that tweets out one lyric from toto's africa 
uh, like every four hours, just kind of like just just kind of on a loop. This is the stuff I don't care about. Uh, see, but it, but it's 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 hilarious to be scrolling through and and all of a sudden, you know, I bless the rains down in Africa pops up in my timeline. That's funny. That's really, really funny. I, I, I get it. People are very funny. I Listen, I if you I've taken all these, I guess, to your point, what would I do? Like, I would want to create again as uh, because t- what Twitter offers that other apps do not offer is the real time live wire response and interaction that you cannot get anywhere else. Like you, you just you cannot get. I cannot communicate with someone in any other country in the world about the same subject that we both care about. And I try to do it in a pretty cordial and respectful way. I think I think if you go read my my interactions with people that even are insulting me pretty pretty badly, that I I don't ever go down that that path. It's just not my style. I, the dunking is not my thing. The cruelty is not my thing. If I'm old, fine, whatever. That makes me old, and I'm I'm okay with that. I'm comfortable with that. The real live interaction, where is where an un, an event is unfolding in real time, and we can all interact and have conversation about it, hopefully in a good, positive, constructive way. That doesn't exist on any other platform. So that's what I love about it. That's what I want is talking to people and learning things in real time about something that's happening. You cannot do that on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or Snapchat or YouTube. That is what I would pay for. That's what I would want the application to maintain if I was in charge. Yeah, I hundred percent agree with that. Titans Titans games, for example, are a fun communal experience for me because you can see, like for instance, when <laughs> when Todd Downing makes certain makes certain play calls. Uh, you know, when 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 you know when when he's sending Derrick Henry into the line on second and thirteen, uh, and people just kind of lose their minds over it. it yeah. It's it's a yeah. fun communal experience. You know, it's a fun communal experience. Watching the U.S. at a in the World Cup at Jasper, Steve. That's a quick left turn right there, baby. One hundred percent. So, so I met uh, I met some folks uh, for the U.S. Wales game, uh, a game that we should have won. But oh my god, I don't want to talk about it anyway. Uh, but my, we my, ch- my children did not understand why I was so angry at the end of the match. Like it was a it was a tie, Dad. It's okay. And my wife was like, "Yeah, it's a tie. What's wrong?" And I was like, "No, you don't understand. That was the three freaking points we needed." Anyway, uh, w- walked in, not o- walked in uh, about a half hour before the game. Not only was every TV in the game tuned for the World Cup, but it's but about ten minutes before the game, the sound uh, they they flipped over from uh, from whatever the music was that was playing in the background. So everybody got to everybody got to experience the the sound uh, from the game. It was it was great. We basically ordered all of the appetizers. It was fantastic. Call poppers still undefeated to this day. They're pretty but, damn good. Did some bang bang wings, uh, did some lettuce wraps, did you know, did a few other things. It was it was it was very, very good. Uh in the, at halftime, still a little hungry, got the burger. Oh. It is it is it is just it, the Jasper's burger is a really just rock solid burger. So good. That this is, is a, some sweet potato food, fries. This is a food critic saying all this, folks. Quite 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 good. And they'll do it for you medium rare, which yeah, 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 yeah. God, God, God bless them for getting the temperature perfect. Uh, you know, uh, it, it's little things like that that make it the next evolution of the sports bar. I was able to sit there with friends, enjoy the World Cup, except for the result. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and just just have it, just have a good time. It was a plus ten out of ten. So a couple more uh, things that we're ungrateful for here coming up on the pod, and then we'll let you guys go on your Thanksgiving holiday week. But a friend of the the pod, uh, Ashley Brantley, of course, who has written extensively about many things in this city, in particular food, 
her and I, she, her and I have been on the board together of a local charity, Our Kids. Check them out. By the way, if you want to support a local group that takes care of children, go check out. Giving Our Tuesday Kids. coming up next week. Very good, uh, very good place to uh, send your dollars during the holiday season. That's right. That's absolutely correct. Uh, so check out Our Kids. But the point is, is I've known her for a long time. You've known her separately in a different way. We were at an event for Our Kids a couple of weeks ago, and we were chatting about your bona fides as a food critic, um, because. You do not like pickles. You just said you ate lettuce wraps. I know you don't like lettuce. You think it's just water on a burger. And you eat a burger like a chicken finger boy, like an eight-year-old. And Ashley and I were wondering, are you allowed to be a food critic and have all these really high-level pieces of analysis on these wonderful and amazing places and all these different foods in Nashville? Go to Jasper's. If you do not have good taste yourself. And we're just wondering. Wow. Yeah, we're just wondering. Wow. Wow, she, hot she, take she, from she, hot take from Brantley, who has who has eaten who has eaten the entire menu at Catbird Seat with me. I know, and, I know, and yeah, and I just she just her and I were wondering if you don't like pickles or lettuce or tomato on your burger or onion on your burger, like how good a food critic are you? You know, like that's just what we were wondering. Wait, wait, wait. So what you're <laughs> saying is that you have to eat the burger absolutely the way someone else wants you to eat it right no i'm just saying if you have the taste if you have the palate of a six-year-old i don't want the palate are you, of a are six-year-old you i just <laughs> don't you be like allowed cucumbers to, should you be allowed to write reviews about food that's yes. all about my seven-year-old has great a great palate i don't think she's qualified though you know i i i, I am <laughs> no no <laughs> just because i don't fucking like pickles <laughs> And then it's not even it's not even pickles. I don't like <laughs> I don't like pickle cucumbers. They're 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 they they're wrong. They're are just... you allergic? Are you allergic to salads? No, I eat okay. salads all the time. Okay, all right, just making sure. All right, I, just don't, is... I don't need a salad on my burger. Right, your your credentials have been restored. <laughs> I just wanted to share that story with you. Shout out to Brayley. Go check out our work. She does good stuff. Go to Jasper's. Uh, go to Jasper's, everybody. All right, uh, number three on the list, an oldie but goodie. Uh, we'll move along here. Uh, Steve, take it away. <laughs> Cuts coming to uh, your local newspaper uh, maybe as soon as next week. Gannett uh, announced last week that uh, in an internal memo that that they will be cutting uh, positions nationwide. This follows uh, positions which largely left the paper unaffected on, from August, but there were 400 positions cut in, in August. There's another 200 positions around the company that are going to be cut here in addition to positions being frozen. And it's just a mess. And what I, what I tell people is the number of people that are at the Tennessean right now is the highest it will ever be. There will only be fewer people at the Tennessee and going forward. It's because they're owned by private equity. They will never ever put another person in there. When they when they they made a big deal about adding a reporter to cover First Amendment issues, but my understanding was that was that was coming from a grant from someplace else. It wasn't coming from Gannett. You know, that's the only way they're going to add resources. And it, it's really, it, I mean, it's a sad state of affairs. How. Gannett has managed the Tennessean, how they've completely devalued the, the print product. You know, this is, I was doing a little research uh, for somebody the other day. The circulation, the daily circulation of the Tennessean in 2005 was 177,000. It was like quarter million on Sunday. By 2013, uh, that number is 100,000 daily. By 2019, that number is 35,000 daily. The, the, the number now is like 21,000. Good night. 
now the difference and and this is and this is the thing that is absolutely wild to me those people are paying full freight those people are paying you know there, there, there are no more discounts for print subscribers. It used to be you, you get two months free or get, you know, you know, get it, get it for 60% off or whatever else. If you're buying the print product, you're getting the daily newspaper delivered, you're paying absolute top shelf for it, which is about 670 bucks a year. Yeah. Those 21,000, you know, back of the napkin math says that those 21,000 subscribers are worth about, you know, worth about 14 million a year. That is real money. That is still more money than they're making digitally off of all off of all their products because the ad revenue is just simply not there on a replacement level for what is still in the print product. It is amazing to me that they have devalued the print product so much, so much that they're not even the largest circulation paper in the state anymore. The Knoxville paper distributes 22,000 or 22 or 23,000 papers a day. Knoxville News Sentinel. Yeah. The Knoxville News Sentinel. And I think part of that is because you get timely sports in there uh, as opposed to, uh, as opposed in Tennessee, and because they have six o'clock press deadlines, you can't get anything that happens at night into the next day's paper. Well, so think about, I don't know how many markets Gannett is in off the top of my head. But I'm assuming it's a lot. Uh, most of the country. I mean, they're the, they're the largest local news publisher in the country. You you would think. He, he just again, this just kind of hit me, and I you know we've complained about Gannett a lot. But if if you can keep now, I, again, I don't know how many of those twenty one thousand are like over the age of sixty, and and will still be around from a business model standpoint. Let's say in forty years. Um, I'm not trying to be you know morose here, but I just think it's it just with being honest about their their audience and their demographic. But again, we are we are in the place where Patreon. Substack subscription-based, really high-quality content finds its way to to be successful. And if you can get, let's say, ten thousand people, let's let's cut that number from twenty-one thousand down to ten thousand to spend six hundred dollars a year, and you actually catered to that audience, and you really fed them nutritional, really high-quality content, and then you did that in let's say fifty markets across the country, you would make a fortune. You could still make a fortune off that. What small digital companies are doing, you know, with Patreon and Substack and these paywalls, is they're just catering to a smaller audience, but they're doing it with great stuff. Why? Why is that not the thing that Gannett pivots to? Like, it doesn't. You know, I, I don't understand. It's like TV not pivoting to digital video. Like, I don't understand. I mean, the 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 problem that they have is that they have they have on the digital side they created free a long time ago. I mean, they yeah, create, yeah. but I mean, and we've we've talked about this. You know, that the, they cannot go hard paywall. Uh, and only do things i mean like the boston globe did this uh years ago and have kind of successfully fought their way to you know towards towards a fully paid digital readership gannett can't do that and so the the only way they've been able to to do it is sort of with deep discounting and so if i'm a print subscriber i'm paying 600 plus bucks a year for that product I'm a digital subscriber. I think the last, the latest deal is, you know, two years for $22. Right. Those are not the same things. And you cannot, I mean, because we have taught people that online is free for years, especially local content. And when all of your biggest competitors, like all the broadcast stations and their digital products are all free and they're all, they're all ad based. I, I don't think that you can successfully win at the local level and and have a you know have a hard paywall. Memphis in Memphis, it's interesting the commercial appeal now, uh, which is 
I mean, the numbers are staggering. I think the commercial appeals daily circulation, the print circulation is like 15,000 a day. The the Daily Memphian not only has a bigger staff, but also has, uh, I think, a bigger digital sort of footprint than, uh, than they do, at least on the paid side of it. it there are an interesting set of calculuses coming on the on the local level that I just don't think Gannett is is equipped to deal with. They're just not. But, but- and, and and so if you if you are a fan of the Tennessean right now, it is as good as it's ever been or ever going to be. It's going to be, yeah. If you hate it. It is as good as it's ever going to be. It's going to be worse at some point in the future. You, you've said that a lot, and I, I, I'm curious. And maybe this, this might be sort of naive or ignorant or dumb. I'm not sure which, all of the above, perhaps. But I'm curious if you know all the stuff that you have to make free, right? Breaking news: if a reporter breaks a story that's big in the state of Tennessee, you kind of have to make that free. You can't put that behind a digital paywall. What if everything online is free, but it is the dumbed down, trimmed down? less nutritional content that largely it is already let's say right but but your investment because again it, there are still clearly enough people that are willing to pay four or five six hundred dollars a year for to actually i mean people buy books i buy books i read books i'm a i, I like holding the book in my hand maybe i'm a dinosaur and all people like me are gonna die at some point and that's not a smart future business model what what if you just took all of the long form high quality quote unquote real capital J journalism and put it in the print edition and said, look, you have to own it. And we know that's going to drop our numbers from 21,000 down to let's say 8,000. But we know that there are people out there that are willing to pay for the good stuff, but are going to pay a premium price for it, but it's not going to be digital. Is that a, is that a, a dumb business model altogether? Because we're just going to be online for the rest of our lives and we're no longer going to ever read anything in, in, in yeah, print or what? Print is going away. Uh, there, there will be some. There will be some print that is, whether it's a magazine form or whether it's like a like the Sunday paper or whatever else that that has some cachet and has has some viability as a product. But I mean, like look, like look at what's happening in Alabama. Those advanced papers, which is Mobile, Birmingham, uh, and Huntsville, are ceasing print publication uh, print print production in February. Uh, the you know those are the those are the AL.com papers. They will only be online. They're going to have some replica version digital that that you'll be able to access, but it'll be slightly different. The 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 problem is is that we have accelerated print's decline by treating it like shit, yeah. by by yeah. putting old news in it, by you know by farming the production out to these production to these production hubs that that don't have local expertise, you know, like in copy editing. I, we we all of the all of these things have have combined to accelerate their problems which is why more cuts coming next week thanks Gannett. yeah it's it's almost because i still i don't think books are ever going to go anywhere like deep dives into singular subjects that are like so exhaustively researched and and put together so well by great writers and and research staffs I, like i don't think those are ever going to go anywhere like do we consume them on a kindle you know fine i don't like re- i cannot read backlit stuff for long periods of time i just it's terrible it's not good for your body it's not good for your eyes it's not good for your brain um, but I love reading books. It helps me go to sleep. I learn more. I, I will never not read books. I think. I think that's. Ne- I don't know if that's ever going to go anywhere. So I was just trying to. Con- I was trying to combine the model of like the the Substack with the model of a book and put it together into a newspaper product where I can read that again. Maybe that's the, in the form of a monthly magazine or something where I get. You know, again, the scene comes out every single week, and I'm going to get good reporting in the scene. I'm going to get a lot of other information about concerts that are going on and critics picks and all kinds of stuff. And I just, I don't know if there's a, 
a different model in there somewhere where, because again, 21,000 people are still willing to pay $600 a month for what right is what is right now a garbage product, largely. You could convert that into a pretty high level product and you still wouldn't need 21,000 people to pay for it if you yeah, made it, if it was locally owned, I guess. I mean, but the problem that we're talking about is, you know, if you are concerned about news resources in Nashville uh, and if you are concerned about kind of informing the public, what you want is as broad of an impact as possible. I know. Uh, and, and that's, you know, that doesn't solve that problem. All right. Number four on the list here, go to Jasper's, of course, college football narratives and conspiracy theories, things that I am largely wildly ungrateful for. Um, I, I just, I want you to kind of tell me if you think I'm naive about all of this. Yes. Cause, cause I, I believe I'm, I'm cynical, not naive. Normally when it comes to like, politics and big business and le- lobbying and you know as i'm watching <laughs> the world cup in qatar like i know how business is done i there there's small groups of people with large amounts of money making important decisions and i i get all of that i'm not i'm not ignorant or naive to that but to like the thing that i am ungrateful for is this constant just stream of conspiracy theory college football narratives and it's partly because i've been in that business for a long time that i just get soaked in it and then i get bothered by it and it's it's a, a me problem to not just ignore it but the idea that the refs are on the take to try to get a team into the playoff the idea that the playoff committee is somehow trying to help the television networks because they love the sec even though the committee is full of a bunch of people that aren't from the sec at all and have actual vested interest in other programs getting into the playoff like all of these narratives that that come to the surface, the anti, the SEC deep state cabal, like whatever, like I don't, am I am I naive to say that almost all of that is complete garbage? Like, so I, I was I was in a conversation with about officials in the Big Ten this past weekend with a couple of buddies of mine that that cover the Big Ten, and they are complaining that that the Big Ten office was like they really I don't know if they really believe it. <laughs> <laughs> that somehow the officiating in the Illinois Michigan game was done on purpose to keep Michigan into the playoff hunt. And I'm like, do you believe like think about what that would require? That would require Kevin Warren, the commissioner of the Big 10 to have a conversation with the head of officials and then that person actively is affecting calls during the game. Like he's in communication with referees or prior to the game to tell referees to make sure that you lean this way on a call. Do you realize how massive if that story ever got out, how like the SEC, like if if Greg Sankey ever told any official, like do, do is it stupid to believe that shit? Like I think it's so stupid to think that. I mean, it, it, it's like no, it's a human error. A guy is a human being and missed a call. That is the far more likely scenario of what took place in a football game, right? A- absolutely. I mean, it, it's the it, it's the the Occam's razor uh, of of college football. All things being equal. The simplest explanation is usually the most correct one, which right. is the guy in front of you missed the call. Yes, he made a mistake because he's a human being and is flawed like everyone else. Con- the, the, the conspiracies like that do really well as an as an explanation of why something is happening until you begin to probe on, on the mechanics of it. Exa- exactly. That's exactly right. Once you start trying to figure out how you would do it, and you keep widening the circle of people that is required in order to pull this off. Yes. At that point, you know, you're going to keep that many people silent. Really? Right. right. Exactly. So, and, and the committee one, because this is the other one I can't stand like, Oh, it's all about they're They're just trying to get the big brands into the playoff. Now, 
do I understand that there's a lot of money on the line for the broadcast partner? I am not naive to that. I am not naive to that. But that would not be an that would not benefit the SEC. Like that would that would not help the like the SEC teams don't help ESPN make more money. Now, are they going to cover the SEC because more people care about the SEC because they own the broadcast rights? Yes, they're going to write about it more on the dot com. They're going to talk about they're going to put out other products. They're going to have more podcasts. You know, they're going to do more stuff to cater to that audience. But the people on the playoff committee are from Penn State, Nebraska, Michigan, Wyoming, Kansas State, Colorado, NC State, Wake Forest, Navy, and one guy from Kentucky. Like that that group of people, to your point about like the Occam's razor, right? Like that group of people is not in some room trying to figure out how to get Alabama into the playoff. It they just think TCU is better. <laughs> like, <laughs> like the simplest explanation is the thing. Like they don't think. If Tennessee got in over TCU, for example, the explanation isn't some deep state SEC conspiracy. The explanation is 13 people got in a room and they looked at the season and they thought Tennessee might be might be a better football team. Turns out they're not because their defense sucks. But that that is not the point. The point is that there is no conspiracy on the committee to put big brands into the playoff. In fact, Penn State got left out for Washington a few years ago. You're, you're telling me that Penn State wouldn't have made far more money for ESPN? Then Washington, give me a break with that crap. One hundred percent. So I'm not that. The, so I'm not that crazy to say that all these conspiracy theories in college football are actually complete nonsense, right? No, they 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 are nonsense, and but they're fun, and, and that's why. No, they're not. <laughs> they're they're a lot of they're a lot of fun because because what they they're are, fun it, when no they're fun when your team lost and you are hurting and you need an explanation for it. That's right. what it is, and and, that, and that's what I mean here is, is that there's you're trying to apply some rational explanation to as to why your team lost when the truth of the matter is is that the reason why your team lost is because you were too thin at db or it is because that, <laughs> because your offensive corner sucks like <laughs> right i mean exactly i mean these are these are all much more legitimate reasons than the guys in striped shirts you know divvied up an envelope before the game and by the way what what amount of money would it take to buy that silence that's a lot of money. Oh my god! There would have to be NDA signs. There would have to be <laughs> threats. There would have to be like all of this starts to just just kind of go away the more you start to poke on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and here's the other thing about this kind of a side note that's not sports related about conspiracy theories. If you really kind of study conspiracy theories in our country, and I would argue in all of human history, we are we we are not any more likely to believe conspiracy theories today than we've always been we are always going to be susceptible to the conspiracy theory because it allows us to explain things that we don't fully understand. I would argue, uh, you could argue religion was the original conspiracy theory. Well, so, I mean, you, you could, the, the, you can look at the, you know, I have a friend who's done some, done some research into this, you know, the kind of the history of the conspiracy theories and America has always been right for yes. conspiracy theories yes. from since its inception. McCarthy, and, McCarthy was, what are you talking? Like we were less like, you're telling me we didn't believe conspiracy theories. During the McCarthy era, <laughs> I mean, there are conspiracy theories kind of going back to the, you know, going back to the revolutionary right. times. The, the the problem is, is that is that we have such ready access to them now yes. through Facebook and yes. through, I mean, well, Facebook, you're the big, <laughs> the biggest sort of perpetrator of these things. And, and, but, then, um, and then to create community around that conspiracy theory, which then gives you some sort of sense of purpose and community as a person. And what's even worse is if you are if you are somehow more isolated in your life, you are then obviously more likely to then seek out that community experience, which explains why the Big Ten refs hate Illinois. 
I mean, it, it also explains it also explains the Q conspiracy. I mean, like that well, is every yeah everyone. that is the actual explanation of it. Right, right. What I would like to see is the the is all the Q people get really invested in like Big Ten refs. Now that would be hilarious. that would be fun. Birds are real, okay? Uh, or no, birds are not real. What's the birds are not real? Like that's my birds favorite. Are, birds are not real. That's my favorite conspiracy theory of all time. Uh, just if you can figure out a way, if somebody out there can figure out a way to create a mock conspiracy theory to mock all the people out there that believe in this stuff. It's so funny. I just want to remind people that it's not a new thing. This is not a new period in time in human history where we like believe more in conspiracy theories than we ever have. We are largely uh, susceptible to these equally throughout human history. Uh, again, I think there's some original ones <laughs> that people were peddling thousands of years ago, but that's just me. Uh, all right. Number five, Steve, what you got here? We, as we've got a couple more minutes on the show, go to Jeff. I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to make this quick. What are you ungrateful for? I'm I, I'm un well. I'm actually I'm actually grateful for this in a, in a weird sort of way. <laughs> My, I, I'm sadomasochistic so, kind of way. <laughs> so there is a uh, something that's come up in in all of the stadium talk is we are we are grappling with the city's answer to to whether or not there should be publicly funded stadiums and and how and how this should operate. One thing that has become brutally apparent is that we are not going to pay seven hundred million dollars for a baseball stadium. <laughs> uh, you know, we might we might pay two billion dollars for a Titan stadium. I, I don't think we're going to 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 double down on that and then pay pay anything for a for a baseball stadium. I, I think I think if the Titans deal gets over the line, I think I think the barn door closes. And so I'm actually kind of grateful for that. Because my ingratitude is it is it is it is it Music City Baseball and it's still, sort of it's, the, it's still alive <laughs> the the zombie like nature of <laughs> of this effort to to bring baseball here without you know sort of any financial backing or kind of real path forward. So you're grateful. Like keep, it, keep, keep it short and sweet there. Yeah, no, I like that. I like that. Um, no, you're right. Like we we might spend twenty five or thirty five million dollars on a racetrack. We might spend two billion on a stadium which really is more like a couple hundred million but uh we're definitely not because it's not it's not it's not 700 million it's like it's another two billion for a baseball stadium or at least right. a billion like it's a it's a lot of money and uh no you're right so okay all right ingratitude in gratitude form i like that that's I good like stuff it. all right so then we wrap up here go to jasper's of course great place to watch any sporting event world cup otherwise uh tennessee vols you got vandy coming up this weekend have a great thanksgiving everybody but uh this is i, I am going to complain about people complaining the the amount of media, dot com, written reporting, radio, TV, especially social media in particular, the the amount of bitching and moaning that turns into like mainstream content, like there has to be another type of content <laughs> that is driven by I don't know thoughtful conversation, intrigue, uh, learning, gaining information and expertise in things. That there's so much so many different ways to to motivate content the idea that a vast majority of our sports content and political content is even worse is almost exclusively grievance driven is just so obnoxious to me i'm so tired of it i worked so, so hard to curate grievance enragement out of my twitter feed you don't have to complain about everything that happens in sports you just it doesn't it, it doesn't have to be a part of our experience um i it just drives me nuts it's so it's so easy to say to everyone, let's burn it all down because I don't think it's working than to actually provide a solution to any problem. 
And I just want, I'm going to end on, <laughs> I'm going to end by complaining about complaining. <laughs> the, the, this is, this is my solution for in both politics and in sports to sort of this problem. When somebody comes, it comes at me and it's just grievance after grievance after grievance. My response to them is, what are you for? Right. Tell me, tell me what you're for. If if you want to be elected to political office, tell me what you're for. Tell me, tell me what you want to build. Tell me what problem you want to solve. Have it be a real, have it be a real problem. That, that's, you know, that's not a, that's not a left uh, issue. That's not right, a right, right issue. That's a, a solutions based issue. Tell me, tell me what problem that you're going to solve that you see out there in front of you. Same thing happens with sports. Tell me what you like. Tell me, tell me what you're, uh, what you're cheering for, what you're, uh, you know why you're why you're supporting something. Well, no, the committee, the committee, the college football playoff committee is perfect with the expansion of it. Right. All we did was the reason we have the committee is because of grievance. Too many computers, too many computers making too many decisions. We don't have enough human element. Grievance, 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 grievance. Okay, now you have a playoff committee and expansion to four. Oh, too too much human element. Grievance, 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 grievance. Show me the better solution to the problem, and then we can have a conversation. Oh, you think 12 teams is right because of this. Okay, you think it should be half committee, half record. Okay, so maybe that's where half automatic bids is a good solution to having half at, half at large bids into a 12-team playoff. Like You can just have that conversation pretty quickly and pretty easily, and it doesn't have to be off the deep end conspiracy driven complaining about everything. Like you can just you can just say, look, man, I don't think this system is working. Here's why. Here's my solution. Uh but yeah, if you don't, let's if, you fix don't something. If, if you don't present the solution or don't have ideas, then what are you you're just wasting my time. <laughs> I don't <laughs> you can com- find complaining everywhere. It's TV complaining, it's radio complaining, it's Twitter complaining. It's just people complaining about everything. Solve some is problems it- out there, people. Is there a way to make this more meta than you complaining about complaining? I don't know. I'm not sure. Probably not. Can you complain about me complaining about complaining? Maybe, maybe so. But th- this podcast will like fully turn in on itself and like, <laughs> like open a hole or something. Your 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 final bullet point of the things that you're ungrateful for is me complaining about complaining <laughs> on the podcast <laughs> that is literally the airing of grievances. <laughs> Braden, it's our version. If people want to, if people want uh, to find you complaining, where can they find you complaining? <laughs> at Braden Gall on Twitter, at four forty sports, at four forty sports on the YouTube page, and uh, I think that just about does it. Have a great Thanksgiving, or if you're listening to this afterward, hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Hope you were nice to that uncle who believed in all those conspiracy theories. <laughs> just be nice. Just you know what he needs? He needs a human being to see him. That's what he needs. That's exactly right. <laughs> so just have a nice conversation with the folks that you love and maybe they won't end up in a queuing on chat room. All right. That about does it. Steve, where can people find you? They can find me on Twitter and Instagram at scavendish. Uh, or if you uh, if you like local news, uh, you can go to NashvilleBanner.com, give me your email. And during the soft launch period, as we publish stories, we will send them to you first, directly to your email. If somebody wants to launch a Tennessee-based, highly curated social media application, which I can interact with people instantaneously with only words and no pictures or videos, like an old man, you wow. invent it, I will sign up immediately. Otherwise, have a great one, everybody. Thanks for listening. For Steve, I'm Braden. This has been Lamestream Sports here on the 440 Sports Network. Get off my lawn.